Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org. Good morning. For Every Day is Earth Day this morning, I have a guest from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It is Jake Hansen. He is the South Dakota Regional Representative of Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever. Good morning, Jake. Hey, good morning, and thanks for having me this morning. Well, I'm delighted to have you. I saw in the Star Tribune uh, uh, this past week, you did an op-ed about climate change, and it said, Our Grasslands Need Protection Now. And the subtitle was, North America's grasslands are one of the most threatened ecosystems in the world. So I want to talk a little bit about that. So, Jake, where are your interests in grasslands and in the environment? Well, I went to school at Concordia College in Moorhead, Minnesota. Um, I grew up in Park Rapids, Minnesota, and uh, studied environmental studies in my undergrad degree. Um, After I finished my undergrad uh, I went and worked for a number of nonprofit organizations serving youth in various functions, um, bouncing around throughout Minnesota. Um, I thought, you know, I really would like to do something with my environmental conservation background. Um, I spent most of my class studies actually outside of the classroom, whether it was uh, banding birds or whether it was out in the Theodore Roosevelt National uh, Park um, studying wildlife. And I thought, you know, I love the nonprofit sector. What is a way that I could infuse that love with my love for conservation? Later on, I went and uh, started a graduate program to the University of Denver, um, receiving degrees in both nonprofit leadership and natural resource management, which has also um, been at the same time that I've joined the Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever organization. So my background uh, is not only in nonprofit, uh, the nonprofit sector, but also um, conservation. I didn't grow up in the prairie. Uh, but I have found this fondness and affinity towards the prairie landscape, spending as many days as I can behind my behind my German short-haired pointer uh, bird dog, um, enjoying the landscapes and just the beauty of what's out on the prairie landscape. When you say they're threatened, one of the most threatened, what are you talking about? Yeah, well, let me give you a little bit of a backstory. Um, in that op-ed uh, that I uh, worked uh, with the Star Tribune on. Um, I started that story talking about, I grew up in northern Minnesota. Um, I didn't grow up on the grassland prairie landscape, um, but one of the things that I remember in particular is through grade school or middle school, we talked about ecosystems and the importance of um, an, an important ecosystem as the rainforest. Mm-hmm. And in those classes, we talked about deforestation and the threat that deforestation, um, you know, put towards animals and wildlife and uh, the the ways of life that people that live in those rainforests uh, are affected. I remember I that. Didn't know. I remember learning that in school too. That was a thing about save the rainforest. It was on the back of cereal boxes, I think, and and we were all writing reports about that back in grade school but you are going you know, to talk about something different disney well disney even picked up on that yeah. remember the movie fern gully you oh, know, that sure. was something that was reaching out to demographics of all ages a call to action we need to do something to save our rainforest because they are important 
know, we, we can talk about other ecosystems that, that gain a lot of uh, media coverage or popularity. We talk about the melting of ice caps in the north, uh, the disappearance of polar bears. Um, those are stories that we all remember. They have a lot of popularity to them as far as reaching out to people and, and tugging on their heartstrings in a call to action. In 2015, I moved to South Dakota um, from Minnesota, uh, living on the prairie landscape, um, and I was introduced uh, to upland bird hunting uh, because that's such a, an important part of the culture here in South Dakota. Not only are there a lot of folks that love uh, chasing roosters in the fall, um, but also uh, it's, it's an economic driver and brings a significant amount of tourism dollars into the South Dakota's economy. Furthermore, South Dakota's economy is also based on agriculture. Grasslands are incredibly important for all of those stakeholders, not just bird hunters um, and outdoor recreationists, but uh, producers and landowners, farmers and ranchers. Um, it's, it's an important part of the culture here in, in South Dakota, the way of life. But that's beyond South Dakota's borders. That's, you know, southwest Minnesota. It's mm-hmm. Iowa. It's Nebraska. It's, it's everywhere in the Great Plains. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time that we can talk about melting ice caps and we can talk about, you know, deforestation and rainforests, you know, under our watch in our own backyards, in the past 15 years, we've lost more than 50 million acres of grassland habitats, oak savannas, sagebrush, sagebrush steppe ecosystems um, across the landscape. That's, a, that's greater than the size of Kansas, wow. and it has significant ramifications not only just for wildlife and ecosystems, but also human health. So expound on that a little bit. When Losing that, are you talking across the United States we've lost this 50 million acres? Yes, yep. Across the United States um, over the past 15 years, about 53 million acres of, of grassland ecosystems have been lost uh, due to residential commercial development, um, and also cropland conversion. And one of the statistics you cite in your op-ed, you say since 1970, pheasant populations have decreased by 70%, bobwhite quail populations have declined by 85%, and total grassland bird populations have declined by more than 50%. Why is this significant? Well, you know, you you bring up a great point. There's been a lot of studies recently um, that have been conducted on bird populations of all different species across the North American continent, Um, you know, through the Cornell uh, Lab of Ornithology, through um, Environment and Climate Change Canada. They've been studying population dynamics of both grassland birds, wetland birds, um, raptors, uh, you name it. Those statistics have shown that, you know, more than 50% of all grassland and upland bird species have declined by, you know, uh, more than 50%. But at the same time, there's also some data that shows that upland or wetland uh, birds, waterfowl, um, have increased by 150%. We can definitely pinpoint that to the loss of habitat on the landscape as one of those reasons that upland birds and grassland bird species have declined. Um, Since the 1980s, there's been a number of different conservation legislation measures and enactments that have changed the conservation landscape out there. Um, You know, one of the most critical programs that has been part of conservation for grasslands is the Conservation Reserve Program, Mm -hmm. also known as CRP. Yes. 
that program could arguably be called, you know, one of the most impactful uh, legislative measures for grassland uh, conservation, you know, in the history of the United States. Um, that in itself uh, has put 22 million acres um, of grasslands into, or grasslands and farmlands into this program, which is um, a long-term contract that helps landowners uh, restore and protect grassland ecosystems um, through management plans, but then they also receive a payment uh, annually in return for that uh, enrollment into the program. Um, you know, we are also doing other things in the landscape to address this problem, um, such as land acquisition programs. Pheasants Forever, for, for example, has a program called Build a Wildlife Area. That's where we go out and acquire land and permanently protect that. We turn that, Pheasants Forever doesn't hold on to that land, but it's turned over to a state or federal agency for permanent protection, which also allows public hunting opportunities, public outdoor recreational opportunities to um, Long story short, the link between that declining grassland bird species um, across the board is because of the loss of habitat on the landscape. And one of the things you mentioned in your article, you say that the grasslands reduce the impact of climate change by sequestering carbon in the soil. And you mm-hmm. also say if these ecosystems were to disappear altogether, it would be catastrophic for the climate and the environment. Let's talk a little bit more about that. What is it that these grasslands do, and why is it so important that we preserve them and need more of them? Yeah, you bet. So we talk about something called ecosystem services, and these are some some things that not necessarily we can put a dollar amount on their value. You know, we can we can value something based on their monetary worth, um, but ecosystem services uh, include things such as. When you have grasslands on the landscape, it reduces soil erosion. Um, It improves water quality through water filtration in the water cycle. Um, It mitigates flooding. And then also it provides habitat for pollinator species. You know, every producer, every rancher, um, every farmer relies on pollinators uh, to successfully grow their crops. Pollinators don't just live in row crops. They live in grassland habitats. they depend on uh, they depend on wildflowers. They depend on uh, biodiversity um, within grassland species of plants. Um, if we if we lose those ecosystem services because we take grasslands off the landscape, um, it, there's some significant ramifications there. Furthermore, we talk about climate change, and 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 predominantly we talk about greenhouse gas emissions and one of those greenhouse gases of course is carbon as we burn fossil fuels as we go about what we probably do on a daily basis and release carbon into the air it gets trapped into um, the atmosphere that creates that warming effect that we see um, not just warming but we see these fluctuations in climate patterns we see uh, greater low temperatures we see spikes in high temperatures, it affects wildlife, it affects the landscape, it affects our way of life. Um, Grasslands on the landscape sequester carbon. So you can think of it as like the antithesis of of releasing carbon into the air. They take that carbon in uh, through photosynthesis and then sequester that into the soil. That doesn't necessarily happen to the same extent when you have a landscape full of row crops or uh, you're continually taking the grasslands out because of residential or 
commercial development. We need those grasslands in order to mitigate climate change in that way. And you suggest there is something we can do about it. And you mentioned that it's a led by a number of conservation organizations, places, things like your own Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, mm-hmm. the Isaac Walton League, uh, National Deer Association, American Bird Conservancy, and many others. And there is a proposal to Congress in the works to establish the North American Grasslands Conservation Act. What is that? Yeah, great question and very timely because this is something that's being actively worked on by a number of people. So I mentioned a few things that we are doing collectively, and when I say we, I'm talking about um, both federal and state agencies that are are working with natural resources and conservation, but I'm also talking about another sector, which includes nonprofit organizations and non-governmental organizations, um, such as those that you named, National Wildlife Federation, the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership. So... There's something in the works, and it's building momentum amongst a number of circles, and all of these organizations represent thousands of voices of members across the country. I'll back up to talking about those waterfowl populations that have increased at the same time that um, grassland bird species have declined. And there's two things to point to. Number one is the federal duck stamp. That provides dollars that goes towards wetland conservation and waterfowl conservation. And second, in the late 1980s, there was an act that became law called the North American Wetlands Conservation Act. We call that NACA for short. That essentially was a voluntary landowner partner driven uh, grant funding program um, that has pumped a number of dollars into wetland conservation, restoration and protection, um, addressing waterfall population decline. And Since that enactment in the late 1980s, um, there's been more than 30 million acres of habitat that has been impacted through over 3,000 different projects. It's a grant funding project um, that has allowed some flexibility in addressing um, the decline in wetlands. You can point to those things as, as impactful remedies to what we see with an increase in waterfall populations. We don't have that for grasslands. Mm. And so there's these 12-plus non-governmental conservation organizations that have come together to say, you know, enough is enough. We have to do something more. You know, we've had some great, uh, great efforts that have been made for conservation, but look at the numbers. Birds are still declining, and that's the angle that we're coming at. We've got to do something else. And so right now there's a proposal that's being worked on as language is being finalized, Um, that's called the North American Grasslands Conservation Act. Uh, That's similar to what I said was NACA, this voluntary grant funding program um, that specifically addresses grassland ecosystems, sagebrush steppe ecosystems, and also grassland bird populations uh, and species. Um, Modeled after NACA, this would create the same similar grant funding program uh, a little bit different than some other conservation uh, legislation efforts that are on the landscape. This would be housed under the Department of the Interior and administered to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Um, what's unique about this is it's, it would be flexible funding uh, that could be used for a number of different projects um, that also could be given out to a number of different partners and stakeholders. Um, so it's something that is complementary 
to what's already happening for grassland conservation uh, across the country and across the continent. Um, and it's building momentum and gaining popularity right now. The hope right now with the North American um, Grasslands Conservation Act is that uh, there can be a bipartisan Senate bill uh, introduced this spring. How is this different than the CRP, the Conservation Reserves Program? I'm trying to picture what the dividing difference is. Yeah, great question. So the Conservation Reserve Program right now uh, is, is a working program that's affected by the Farm Bill. The Farm Bill dictates how many acres are available for enrollment in the CRP program. Essentially, the backbone of the CRP program is that landowners can enroll their land into this program in a long-term contract that also uh, receives fixed annual payments in return for their conservation efforts. Um, what this would be different uh, than the CRP program is that this would create uh, a voluntary grant funding program that uh, could fund entities that might include grasslands coalitions, producer groups, tribal organizations, land trusts, um, and also non-governmental organizations. So those dollars um, can also be matched, and that's what's been successful with NACA, um, by other partners to double the impact. Some of those things that could come from this grant funding program could be dollars that can be used for restoration efforts, conservation easements, uh, management practices, but also you know, stewardship assistance and educational um, opportunities. One of the things that we've got to find funding for is, is educational opportunities to get people um, informed and up-to-date about why grasslands matter um, beyond just, hey, we need, we need to make sure that we have more grasslands on the landscape so that we have better hunting opportunities. Grasslands matter so, so much more than just recreational um, opportunities. I mean, they impact every person, um, no matter if you live in the city or you live out in a rural community. Um, and that's something that we've got to spread the word about in the same way, uh, like I said earlier, I was concerned as a as a grade school student about the rainforest, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, in my backyard, an ecosystem of equal importance was disappearing across the landscape. Do you think one of the reasons we never paid attention to the, the grasslands was because maybe we did think that, well, that's for hunters, it's just a small group of people, it won't impact me, so I don't really care. Is that why, do you think? Well, you know, it could be. Um, it's also something that... Uh, you know, we don't. We we probably pay more attention to wildlife species such as the polar bear mm. um, versus the monarch butterfly. Um, we might not understand the importance of a pollinator or an insect on the landscape, um, but we can. We have a heart pull towards some of those other species that cause us to say, "We've got to do something about this." Um, it's it's an important part of this of this conservation. Uh, you know, led, proposed legislation um, is that educational piece. How can we be unique with these grant funding dollars to spread the word to raise that level of importance of this ecosystem? Um, it's also important that we provide further funding assistance uh, to make sure that we restore and protect those habitats on the landscape because there's, a, there's more pressure on those landscapes now than ever before. Um, you know, we look towards the future, and we and we also see alternative fuel sources to mitigate climate change. Well, one of those is biofuels. 
biofuel increase in demand will also cause an increase uh, in demand for land use changes across the landscape. As we move toward away from file or fossil fuels, um, we might find an alternative in, in alternative energies such as, you know, uh, ethanol. And that requires putting more corn on the landscape. Well, when you start to think long term, as we increase, uh, you know, crop production for alternative fuel sources, we also have to make sure that we balance that um, with grassland habitats that prevent soil erosion, that improve water quality, that also uh, house pollinator species, because without those ecosystem services, um, you know, we would be in a world of trouble, plus the success of growing those crops uh, definitely would, 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 would have effects. Now, the North American Grasslands Conservation Act is proposed, and it's to create that voluntary, incentive-based, landowner-driven grant funding program. So it's a proposal. So what can people do if they want to maybe weigh in on it, to learn more about it, and maybe make a difference in terms of getting the word out and saying, we want this to happen? Absolutely. Great question. And so that's an important part uh, to make sure that any listener understands is that this is in the works. This is a proposal right now. We have staff um, working on this uh, throughout all of those different uh, nonprofit and non-governmental agencies. President's Reverend Quail Forever, for example, has um, three uh, staff members within our government affairs team that are working diligently, not only on this, but all areas of grassland policy and legislation um, that affect conservation efforts. But what we are asking people to do is a couple of things. Number one, the location of where we're housing all of the information for the North American Grasslands Conservation Act is on our website, actforgrasslands.org. Folks can go to that website and find out more about what's going on, receive legislative updates, receive updates as far as where this proposal is, um, as we as we continue to drive towards that road of a bipartisan um, Senate bill that we hope that is introduced this spring. The second thing that can happen is look at the list of conservation partners that are backing uh, this proposal. Become a member of those organizations because that provides the resources needed to get this done. And the third thing is, as folks learn more about this, this proposed legislation, about why grasslands matter, is then to reach out to their elected uh, representatives, wherever they may be, and say, we've got to get behind this. How do we get behind this conservation effort while also juggling um, those important economic economic factors that determine our way of life? You know, one of the goals here is that this is a program, this is an opportunity that not only um, supports conservation and uh, and putting more habitat and wildlife on the landscape, but it also supports ranchers, producers, farmers through this Working Lands program. Has this then been introduced yet or not? This has not been introduced yet. Right now that final language uh, within this uh, proposed legislation is being uh, worked on and finalized. And also um, our team, along with the the team members from all these organizations, are working on finding those champions uh, within Congress that that are willing to step forward to say, I'll put my name on this. I will bring this to, uh, to to Congress on the floor. Let's get this thing done. So it sounds like people need to reach out to their policymakers, their elected representatives now to say, 
we would want you to support this. We know it's proposed, so let's do something. And find more information about that from actforgrasslands.org. That's the best way to do that. Absolutely. Visit actforgrasslands.org. Become a member and support these organizations behind this. Reach out. The time is now to reach out to those elected officials to say, we've got to get behind this. This Everyone benefits from this. And also, we are all stakeholders in this, in this uh, legislation, but also in conservation and the need to have grasslands on the landscape. I think it can be intimidating for people to reach out to their legislators. Maybe they've never done it before. Does your website, actforgrasslands.org, explain a little bit about that process or give them some wording or something? Because I think that may be holding some people back from doing something, taking action. You bet. And so on that website, there is a place that you can say, take action. And on and when you click take action on the actforgrasslands.org website, um, there's a place that you can provide your contact information in an already um, written letter that can be sent directly to your elected representative. You can also edit to add your own personal note on that pre-written letter, um, but all it takes is a few clicks on a keyboard and it clicks with your mouse um, to send a to send a letter right to your elected representative. By providing your information on there, it will link you to your closest elected official, and that's where your letter will be sent to. Well, Jake, you are in Sioux Falls and represent South Dakota's Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, but this impacts the entire nation, correct? Absolutely. And so I have the unique opportunity to be in the landscape. I mean, I, I live here in the city, but I spend most of my time working for Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever out in all of these rural communities throughout South Dakota. Um, but this isn't just a South Dakota, Southwest Minnesota issue. Um, our grasslands uh, are, are across the United States in all various forms, but also our grasslands uh, are important to anyone and everyone across the whole continent. Well, Jake, I appreciate your information. Anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? No, I just I, I thank you for your time and allowing me to spread this message. I'm just but one voice, but I know that collectively, if we can all raise our voices, we can bring about change. Climate change is important. Climate change is real. We must do something um, to do our own part. And even though it feels like only one voice, that collective voice through all of us, if we are all speaking up in support of this, um, will make a, a great impact and a significant difference. Jake Hansom, we thank you so much for your time and good luck. And uh, hopefully we'll hear more from you when things uh, maybe get moving along. Absolutely. Thank you so much for allowing me to join you this morning. Thank you. Take care. Everyday is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union. With two locations in Mankato since 1934, it pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA. More at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org.